We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Didn't do what Swaggy P do. <laughs> Teammates played great, and we um, came out with the victory, you know? I'm just trying to really get my, my NBA 2K rating up. I, can, I, can, I just cannot take it. I, 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 just, I, I can't take it. You know, it's 12.02 right now. If they want to fire me at 12.05, I'll go home and find something to do. I'll have a good day. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast presented by FanDuel.com. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. It is Thursday, April 11th, uh, which means, of course, it's Ramon Sessions' 33rd birthday, the 56th overall pick in the 2007 NBA draft. Uh, for those not familiar, that's the Alondo Tucker, AC Law, Javaris Crittenton draft. Uh, today is one of the few days of the entire NBA calendar, James, where we don't have any games. Um, it's kind of the the biggest lull in the schedule, uh, I guess, as we as we move from the regular season, which wrapped up last night, to the postseason, uh, which begins as it always does on Saturday with four games uh, and then four games on Sunday as well. Um, so the schedule came out actually a little earlier this year uh, than it has in years past. It was out around 1230 I uh, look back last year it didn't come out till after 2:30 a.m. So that was kind of nice. Um but as you and I were discussing uh before we started here, 
not exactly the most intriguing bracket on either side. Um, you know, it's always a little bit tough to get to get fired up about every matchup in round one. Uh, but not exactly thrilled how, how things shook out, especially in the Western Conference. But we'll get to that in a little bit. First, a couple of news items. Um, Dave Yeager out in Sacramento as of this morning. Um, Kings improved their win total. Uh, I think he was on, you know, maybe not the short list, but at least most people's list of, of candidates for coach of the year, given how much of a jump that team made. And I think especially relative to the expectations they faced. Uh, but at the end of the day, not really all that surprising that he's out, given the way that you know his relationship has gone, not only with management in Sacramento, but but also in Memphis. Yeah, I I guess it it can't be surprising just given what we knew about the friction there. But I just struggle to see how this team kind of maintains the strides they made. I mean, it's it's a pretty appealing job, uh, but. Like how many, like Dave Yeager's a really good coach. Right. Like how many coaches are available that are as good as him that would come in and just kind of pick up where he left off with? Because I think you kind of have to keep right. that same offensive system. I mean that just unlocked so much for them. So, like, are you just hoping that someone comes in and does everything he was doing, but it's someone that you can actually get along with and will I, actually play the guys you tell them to play? Like, I, I guess think that's so, the right? Hope, but I mean, I don't know what justification you can make other than you know he just didn't get along with Vlade who you know coincidentally they're extending now um and obviously this was kind of his choice but in terms of results I mean 12 more wins over last season um individual improvement from guys like Fox and Heald um I know there were clashes you know they got off to that that hot start by King standards when they were like 500 through the first month (laughs) and I mean this the initial clash you know between Jaeger and the front office was that front office members were coming to practice and basically telling him you need to play Marvin Bagley more, um, you know, over Nemanja Bialica at the time. Mm. Um, And, you know, maybe they were partially right because Bagley ended up being pretty decent. Obviously he has his flaws defensively, but I think that early in the year, you know, Jaeger wasn't comfortable throwing Marvin Bagley out there for 28 minutes a night and he was still getting run. I mean, he was playing 17, 18 minutes, but I think at that point, you know, management was more focused on development as opposed to winning games and not many coaches especially a veteran coach like Jaeger um you know are necessarily able to buy into that especially early in the year well I don't know what you could look at from what Jaeger has did in his tenure there that would suggest he's bad at developing young players I just think that in his estimation they doing the the lineups he was using gave them the best chance to win and I don't know how you'd argue with that either like I mean they you can't win almost twice as many games as you were projected to win by Vegas and then say that the guy like mishandled this and this and this especially when like he has De'Aaron Fox on his team who it might have made the biggest leap from year one to year two of any player in recent memory and you have like Harry Giles is like a success story Bagley ends up went being for 35 last story. night. Yeah, like it's uh, all their young players have like up arrows next to their names, and they won twice as many games as they were supposed to win. So I just don't know how you could what you're trying to pin on him, other than the fact that he maybe just doesn't respect you. And I would yeah. say he probably shouldn't necessarily respect you. Right. I mean, we certainly don't know the full story behind the scenes, and, and I'm sure that's a big part of it. But you really can't argue with the on court results. And I think maybe the biggest point in favor of Jaeger, you know, if you want to make the case that you can say, you know, the, the Kings weren't going to go win the title this year anyway, they should be focusing on development. They don't even own their own pick. 
Like there's no reason whatsoever to be upset that, you know, if your management to look and say, we didn't want to win 39 games this year. We wanted to focus on the lottery. That's not an option whatsoever. If that pick lands at one, it goes to Philly. If it lands anywhere else, it goes to Boston. Um, so there was no motivation, at least in my mind, you know, where obviously they ended up falling short of the Western conference playoffs, you know, with about a month left, it was pretty clear. That's how it was going to go. But they're not one of those teams where you look back and say, wow, this was really dumb for them to go all in because, you know, now they've ruined their draft pick, uh, which in their case is non-existent. But again, none of this is all that surprising. It's the Sacramento Kings. Um, but like you said, this is still a, a very appealing job. This is not what could be said the last five times the Kings did something like this, you know, firing a head coach out of nowhere when it was basically DeMarcus Cousins in this collection of random veterans and castoffs. Now you have a really nice young core in place. Um you know, you, you're in position salary-wise to add to that young core at some point. You know, they, they haven't exactly been a free agent destination for people not named Rajon Rondo and Zach Randolph in recent years. But I, I think they're on their way up. You have a new arena. That's a better job to me on paper than the Lakers job, right? I mean, there are obviously perks that oh, come yeah. with, the, with yeah. the Lakers job. But in terms of pure basketball, not having to deal with LeBron. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the Lakers job is as good as a lot of people mm -hmm. are making it out to be just because of all the baggage that comes with it. Like if, if you could just uh, kind of exclude yourself from all of that noise and never have to manage those egos and just kind of coach the, the 15 players on your roster, then it's a pretty cool job because you have one of the best players in the world. Mm -hmm. But it's just if I was a really good coach or a really good GM, that's not the job I would want out of – the jobs that are probably going to be open this this offseason just because I don't I don't think it would be that fun right I mean there's inherent pressure that comes with being the head coach of the Lakers um I, I wouldn't say there's necessarily more pressure now than than in the past but all eyes are going to be on you more than they've ever been you know like this the Lakers have gone from being you know always a marquee story because they're the Lakers to adding LeBron you know gaining even more kind of national pub and now with everything that's happened over the last week, I think that's just been amplified. And now the coaching search is going to take center stage. Um, what you said about the coaching job, does that apply to the job vacated by Magic Johnson? Like the, the president of basketball ops, like to, is that still a really appealing gig? I don't think it's that appealing. I, so I, I mean, look at every like front office situation that has accompanied LeBron James's movements mm -hmm. and you're never making your moves. You're making his moves slash his agency's moves. You're overpaying guys you don't want to pay. I mean, you have the benefit of him, you know, kind of being at rock bottom to, from a bargaining <laughs> standpoint. Like, he can't just say, like, all right, we're doing it this way, like, because you're coming off a year where you didn't make the playoffs and you've got him under contract. Uh, so, you know, you might you might have more freedom to kind of do what you want to do, but you also just have the you have the Brandon Ingram thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you just you really have to make a bunch of shrewd signings. Like if they if they had the type of off season that like John Horst had this past year, then maybe you look like a genius. And well, maybe yeah, maybe maybe it's appealing because it's kind of the executive version of replacing Jason Kidd, where you like can just come in and just do some just basic smart <laughs> things and like it's gonna look so much better because the right. past regime just made horrible move after horrible move so yeah 
maybe it's appealing in that sense. Like you could win executive of the year. It's like, oh, look, he made these two great signings and yep. the Lakers got the four seed. Like maybe that part of it's appealing, right. but I just, I don't know. I, I would rather just have complete uh, mm. power to just do exactly what I wanted to do without having to answer to LeBron. I think the Lakers' job, no matter what position in the organization, is always going to carry appeal for certain people, but I don't think it's this universal, it's the Lakers, no matter what job I have now, I'm leaving it because it's the Lakers. Like who, The names that, that were starting to come out after Magic stepped down the other night were, and these are not confirmed, obviously, but people were throwing out you know, Masai Ujiri, Sam Presti, uh, Pat Riley, I, I've seen you know, Spo to LA now, like why would why would any of those guys leave the position that they're in right now you know the i just i just don't think it's worth the risk at this point i don't know what the benefit is especially when if things go right i don't think people are going to say sam presti saved the lakers it's if the lakers win the title in two years it's it's going to be lebron's title right and whoever else is alongside him yeah i just don't yeah i don't i don't see the appeal when you're that much of a made man like Mm -hmm. uh it just it just seems like you're like I think David Griffin. If you just get David Griffin and keep Luke Walton, I think that that's a really good yes uh, kind of core of people making the decisions because mm-hmm. everyone kind of knows each other then, and you know Griffin knows exactly what he would be getting into with that, yep. uh, and he you know he probably can't do better than this Lakers job. No, so like I think that the, it's a it's a good fit in right. that sense. Like suggesting that all these just amazing gms and other situations are going to want to like mm-hmm. introduce themselves to this circus when you don't you don't it's not like from a talent standpoint it's not as appealing as i think a lot of people think just because you don't know how good lebron's even going to be next right. year you don't know how good he's going to be in two years you don't know which players you're getting to come play with him because yeah. you already kind of know that none of the top guys from this year's free agency right are going to want to go there so it's just it's it's kind of and you have it these kind of two competing timelines of like the young players yep. they're not going to be ready to win anytime soon but you need to try to win because you have LeBron so it's just it's kind of a it's kind of a mess right and with LeBron I mean I I think David Griffin is probably an exception he's had success with LeBron I think he's someone who would welcome you know the opportunity to build around LeBron but if you're if you're a GM who you know someone like Masai who you know has kind of made a a living on charting his own course you know things like that do you really want to come and like you have to you know, you have to build around LeBron no matter what. You don't get to build the team you want. You have to build around this guy for at least two years. Um, and we can, you know, LeBron is under contract for four years, but the, third, the fourth year is a player option. So okay. all of a sudden, if things don't work out next year, LeBron's a free agent to be in, you know, in 2021, and you're back to the same circus I, that it's been the last five years. I think one guy that you could see maybe taking that move is like Neil O'Shea or like someone, someone sure. kind of of that caliber where – it wouldn't be crazy if he got fired in like two years yeah, anyways. Right. Like, so he would just be kind of jumping to yeah. a different situation where he'd have more of a leash mm-hmm. and like that, that would make sense to me. But yeah, like Bob Myers, like how, he how went to insane UCLA, you would know. you have to be like, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. He loves LA. It's like, yeah, everyone loves LA. Right. He, he lives in San Francisco. He can go to LA whenever he wants. Yeah. When you have that kind of money, I don't think it really matters. Yeah. I, I, that was one of the funnier ones. Like he's going to leave. Like, that's the, the best, warrior. like the best front office situation <laughs> I, of all time. That like, <laughs> to me is that's. I I reacted the same way when I heard that to when people say Clay Thompson's leaving the Warriors for the Lakers. Yeah, like, no. Give me one good reason why that would happen, other than he, you know, he has a family history in the city of Los Angeles. I, I don't. I think the Lakers' luster has worn off to the point that that just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, and you don't know. I mean, you obviously you would need a a 
massive contract to go there if you're yep. one of these big names. But you also don't know how much they're willing to kind of invest in just revamping the whole framework of that organization. Right. Like they supposedly have like uh, about the fewest members of a front office that there is in the league. Yeah. They The facilities need to be like kind of reworked and everything. It's just a big a big mess that I wouldn't yes. want to jump into unless it unless I was kind of on shaky ground myself. So you wouldn't take the job? I w- well, you know. I think I you mean, and I could do like a magic palinka. Hey, if they gave me a blank check, and you know, maybe yeah. I would take it. Okay, fair. <laughs> um, so this past week, we I guess last night, less than 24 hours ago, we saw Dirk for the final time, uh, Dwayne Wade for the final time. Dirk's was a little more subdued. I mean, the Mavs put on a big production earlier this week and had a bunch of legends there, which was cool. I mean, Dirk has kind of been the complete opposite in terms of how he's handled this final season relative to Wade. I, I'm kind of with, I forget who it was. I think it might have been Vince Carter on TNT the other night was saying, I don't think Dirk wants to retire. I think everyone assumed he wants to retire, and now he kind of felt forced into it. And yeah. I, I'm not saying, you know, I think it was probably closer to 50-50, but I don't think Dirk's mind was made up whatsoever, and I think he kind of felt pressured. Um, but the, on the other hand, Wade has been uh, pretty secure in his decision, and he's made it pretty public. Mello, LeBron, CP, like we're he's all a, in Brooklyn. He's a pretty shy guy. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't like he doesn't like attention. He doesn't want to make it all about him. You he know? didn't. He, he didn't make a shirt with tour stops uh, of his final year. He didn't orchestrate that uh, intro video. Uh, it was yeah. just all spontaneous. He's just, and he's just happy to be part of a team. You know, yep. he's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he actually said after the games like you couldn't script an ending like this it's like you literally scripted this yeah. entire and you scripted yeah. the last the 200 whole, days the whole season's been us like no one could script this like <laughs> you and your team scripted this um but you know whatever i mean Dwayne wade uh we'll, we'll get into him in just a second but two things um the table jump right he tried to kind of recreate um, i think i think you could script the table jump a little better yeah, well, that was clearly scripted too. He, so he was planning, you know, which it actually would have been kind of cool if he had done it correctly. You sure. Know, he, oh, yeah, that would have been a really cool right. like, moment, especially if you're like a Heat fan. If yeah. he just like gets up there and it's awesome, but then it just which it yeah, was at first. Yeah. He hopped up there, and then I think the cloth on the table started to slide a little bit, so he had to hop back down. He's like, all right, I'm gonna get back up. Slips on the cloth yeah. again, like <laughs> goes sl- slams yeah. really hard, like almost like a pro wrestling type of impact on yeah. this table. It possibly damages some uh, sound equipment on yeah. there. Um, and he, he had a mic on, so you could hear him like yelp, yep. like this just noise that I'd never heard anyone make before. Uh, so that was great. Uh, the attempted alley-oop though, in, I think it was on Tuesday in his final game in Miami, my God, uh, people were really getting on. Of course, of all people, it was Haywood Highsmith, which doesn't even sound like a real name. Haywood Highsmith of the 76ers was defending Wade pretty pretty yeah, closely I don't know at the time as he should have been it was a fast break <laughs> right. you know Haywood Highsmith is a guy that when he gets in the game he's not just gonna like loaf around because he's Haywood Highsmith right. and people were getting on him for like trying to break up this self alley-oop oh. uh which one is insane two Dwayne Wade should be thanking Haywood Highsmith for doing that because if you watch that I clip he wasn't finishing that he I don't <laughs> even know if he was gonna lay it up like he it's not like it's not like Haysmith caught him in midair and like shoved him to the ground yeah. or like committed a flagrant like Dwayne Wade threw the ball basically just inside the three-point line, was planning to take off from just inside the free-throw line, and somehow dunked this home. It was not going to be close whatsoever. I, I think Haywood Highsmith actually saved him from what would have been an even more embarrassing moment. So, you know, which it, one of my favorite all-time uh, video clips, the the whole Dwayne Wade uh, failed dunk and, and uh, scores table thing reminded me of is uh, 
when do you remember when Texas Tech introduced Tubby Smith on the motorcycle, motorcycle? and then he like wiped out <laughs> on think? the motorcycle? <laughs> like <laughs> that's what it kind of reminded me of. Like there's nothing better than when yep. like something is tried to be like very staged and then it just goes awry. Yep. Like that that's always great. I remember watching that, um, and you could tell as soon as Tubby emerged from the tunnel, like he's he going way too control. slow, yeah, way too slow, and he's just like. <laughs> You know his arms are locked. Not th- I've never ridden a motorcycle. Don't ever plan to. I'm not <laughs> not trying to criticize that. But like it was very clear, even as someone who doesn't know motorcycles, like this guy's going down. Yeah. Uh, and that he did. <laughs> did he end up leading them to a national title? I don't remember. Uh, I don't think he did. Where is Tubby Smith right now? Uh, he's he's coaching somewhere. Isn't yeah, he? he's coaching for like a tiny school. I I can't remember. He just he got- was recently hired as the men's basketball coach at High Point University. His yeah. alma mater. Ah. Well. There we go. He's kind of taken a very like Jim Calhoun approach to the end of his career, just like gradually going down and down. I think Calhoun's <laughs> coaching like a D three team right now. Well, well. <laughs> um, yeah, no comment. On that. Uh, so we were talking yesterday just for fun. Obviously, there's been a lot of Wade versus Pierce debates. That's not even a debate to me. I, yeah, what, I think it's kind of who's silly. Debating that. Uh, maybe you, I guess I keep forgetting you're like out of the NBA news cycle now that baseball started. Pierce, Paul Pierce started this himself. He said on national TV that he's better than Dwayne Wade. Okay. That's what kicked off this okay. whole thing. Um, right. And I don't, I don't know if you saw the clip from, from last night in Brooklyn, is, you know, where Wade had his final game. The crowd was chanting, Paul Pierce sucks. Excellent. Nice. Well, you know, nice. Paul Pierce did play for the Nets multiple years. Um, so that, that in and of itself is not a debate. But we were talking um, Wade versus Harden. Wade versus Kobe is probably a much closer debate than Wade versus Pierce. Uh, and the one that I thought was even more interesting that you brought up because he's a little bit more of a contemporary with Wade than Harden is, is Chris Paul. So if you just had to say straight up, you know, even without look, diving into the numbers first, like who is your, you know, if someone said who had the better career, Chris Paul or Dwayne Wade, who would be your first answer without thinking too closely about it? I think I would say Wade. I think I said CP yesterday, but then when you start to consider the postseason stuff, it's hard to overlook three titles. It's hard to overlook yeah, getting it, to the finals five times, six times. It's just, uh, you know, you could win. I mean, we obviously saw it. You could win a NBA finals with Dwayne Wade, peak Dwayne Wade as your best player. I don't think there was ever a point where you could have won an NBA finals with Pete Chris Paul as your best player. And I think it's maybe sort of more to do with their just style of play where CP is just such a kind of classic point guard that uh, – that just almost never happens where that's the best that's player. That's what I'm trying to look team, up but... now. Like, who's the last team to be led by a classic? Like, does Curry count? I don't think so. Like, that, not not for, like, the point of this discussion. Like, you know, I mean, Curry was the best scorer in the league. When yeah, they, right. Like, like, you're talking, titles, like, a yeah. quote-unquote pure classic yeah, type of point guard. Like yeah. a, a pass-first point guard. Right. I mean, I, Isaiah, if you have, do you have to go all the way back there? Probably. Sure. Or, yeah, like Magic Johnson. I mean, and you can basically cross off the entire '90s, right? <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Chris Paul's just had he's had some bad playoff moments. Uh, some, you know, clip that those Clippers teams had some bad luck too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think I would I would go Wade, but I think it's really close, and I wouldn't argue too hard one way or the other. I, I almost feel like those Clippers teams came along just a little too late like if if you could put that Clippers team back in like 08 when Paul was at his absolute peak I mean he was an MVP candidate I think he finished third one of those years behind like LeBron and Dwight um he was like at his he was kind of at his 
Apex, if I'm if I remember correctly, sort of right around the time of that Lakers yes. trade getting like nixed. So right. like he, yeah, if if he is able to link up with Blake and DeAndre, yeah, like at the or, absolute when and like all their primes like intersected, exactly. then sure that team could right. have done more. Well, it's that, and I mean you look at the teams that won titles in the late 2000s around that range. You know, you had you still had Duncan Spurs in 07. You know, they're not beating them, but like. That Clippers team transported back into 2009 against like that Lakers team, you know the Powell Kobe team. I that's that's at least a fight, or even on paper that Mavs team that beat the Heat. Um, you know, it, yeah, it just felt like by the time the Clippers had kind of reached their peak and known their identity, the Warriors were already there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Heat had become a bigger force, and then all of a sudden by you know 2015, 2016, it, it kind of seemed like the Clippers had missed their opportunity. Yeah, I mean it's that's a good it's a good debate. Uh, interested to see if i mean i i haven't done a deep dive on it but i'm sure mm-hmm. there would be uh i mean they're both easy top what like 35 players of all time 30 players of all time i i tend to give more weight to like more recent guys yeah me too Mo- and not not because i don't care about Dolph shays um <laughs> but it's just like i just don't know like i really I, I don't know anything about these guys so like if you if if for me you're just starting it at like 1970 for sure right mm-hmm. i mean i think they're easily top 30 um which seems like a lot of guys but you know you start naming names you, you can get to 10 and 15 pretty quick with guys who are you know definitely definitely better than chris paul or Dwayne Wade. but to me they get, they're within like five spots of each other either way is it controversial to say that dirk was better than wade or is that widely accepted i don't that's a good question i i would say that if you polled 100 people it would be slightly in favor of wade He's been, I feel like he's been a little more relevant for longer. Maybe had a higher peak defensively. Obviously, there's a huge mm-hmm. advantage. That, that's a good one, though. I think him and him and Dirk could kind of go back and forth. I mean, obviously, Dirk had the the win over Dwayne in well, 2011. Well, I think Wade I, beat him in 06. I I mean that 06 finals was a joke. Like I right. I think that that should have been a Mavs win. And if you want to use that as the case as part of the case for Wade then I mean you can I just right. I wouldn't use it because I don't think they were the best team in that finals or deserved to win right. that final so like um that's complicated and then you know Dirk's like 10-year offensive peak is just so much better from a efficiency standpoint than what you would have gotten from like Wade's 10 best offensive seasons so kind of just depends how much you want to factor in Wade's defense and then you sort of get into the issue too of like you know if Dwayne Wade had come along like 10 years later his game would not have been great in oh no like these past five years of the NBA like he just would not have been that great of a fit so I think you can make the opposite case for Dirk right I think he if he peaked in 2012 instead of 2005 yeah I think the yeah if you if they if they both started their careers in 2010 uh I don't even know if Wade goes down as a Hall of Famer. <laughs> like, is that, is that crazy? Like, how does a guy? How does uh, a guy know. that's like I mean, a, I, a shooting guard who shoots thirty percent from three? Right. Like, how does that guy survive in today's NBA? Talk to Russell Westbrook. Man. I don't know. <laughs> I, no, I think he becomes that more of that type of player that we're like, I, you know, there was a, there was a, a period where Dwayne Wade was like, inarguably a top five player for a few years. Right. I don't know if you could get to that level, shooting thirty percent from three, and really never improving on that like there was never even one season where he shot close to 40 like Westbrook at least has had these like drastic ups and downs where there are certain years where you could make a case that he was a top four or five player 
Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, looking at Dirk's kind of to this point, Dirk's six-year peak from start of the 04-05 season to the end of 2009-10, 25.3 points per game, 8.7 rebounds, three assists, one block, um, 48% from the field, 39% from three on two and a half three-point attempts a game. <laughs> yeah. That number is probably tripled at least if he's playing 10 years later. Yeah, I mean, that's like fewer threes than Brooke Lopez took this year. Oh, way fewer. <laughs> so like Two and a half a game? Yeah, you're... Uh, yeah, that that's pretty wild. That's like as many threes as Tony Snell took this year. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of players that like fit better today or would have fit better a while ago. But yeah, I think Dirk, just the fact that he was able to have as much success as he did in an era where a lot of his prime yeah. was like in an era that didn't really suit his game is pretty impressive. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, going the players that he went up against too. I mean, right. he was he came along in the peak power, like power forward, forward, like having like, to defend guys yeah. who were just completely different and type having of just him. studs defending him like almost right. every night you know no exactly um do you have any parting thoughts on the magic situation i'm really glad i forced you to watch that video yesterday <laughs> because i've never seen anything like that i mean mo- i think most of what needs to be said about it has already been said yeah i just hope that it's properly remembered uh, as the disaster yes. that it was and that we don't like sort of uh give him i mean it was just he couldn't have handled it any worse. Uh, he couldn't have – I mean, he basically just admitted to not even trying to do what most people would consider, like, a competent GM's job. Like, he just wasn't really into it at all. And What uh, if another GM that wasn't named Magic Johnson came out and said this? Yeah. You know, a yeah. faceless GM right. of, you know, whoever yeah. – like, Don, G- like, Donnie Nelson, like, sure. comes out and, like – He's just like I'm stepping down. Like ah, I just I missed yeah. being able to tweet my buddies from college. Like, yeah, it just it sucks. Like <laughs> right, like we've been trying to plan our future for the last couple of months. I've just been totally checked I, out. I keep getting invited on these like golf trips, and I just right. keep having to say no. It just wasn't. It was enough. You know. Yeah, um. that's ex- that's literally what happened. And and then to go and like laugh about the fact that like like he was almost kind of delirious. Like I, I haven't even told my boss yet. This is crazy. Um, yeah, it was. And there's still there's been no statements. The Lakers had their exit interviews yesterday. Nobody from the front office talked. I mean, this is even by the last ten years of Lakers standards, like this is as low as it gets. I mean, does he is this a up there with like the worst GM ten years of all time? Like, is it? Oh yeah, it's probably not as bad as the Isaiah Thomas New York thing because well, there was so much like off court right, stuff too right. that made that. Yeah, like, you just have to factor all, all that in, yeah. like. With that, I don't know if we'll ever top. Is that. it on par with like <laughs> Phil Jackson? Yeah, I think so. Is it? I feel worse? like Phil got a worse rap though. I think yeah, I think Phil's sort of uh, his sort of curmudgeon-y like right. style with the media like just did not work. Yeah, well, like, like the media did not have his back at all. Whereas like the media's right until recently just really kind of had magic's back yeah. from day one and right well there was there was also film of phil jackson like asleep at games <laughs> yeah. we saw him at the combine like, a couple of years ago and he just sat he just sat yeah. in the back and did not move <laughs> once the entire day like it, who, i think there was there was a worse visual for phil who do you think scouted more amateur players uh like who who logged more like hours of scouting per year out of magic and phil i SG? think magic but i i think he went to a lot of games but didn't scout like he thought I, I think he like went to games still as magic yes, and would right. like glad hand people well i think he just like, went as a fan right and, then, yeah, and like exactly. he he watched you know he would watch deer and fox play in the tournament the same way a fan would and be like that guy's really good yeah. and not really picking him yeah. apart the way 
you know, like, like go to be, like wear like a MSU T-shirt. That like, would be a fascinating documentary. Yeah, right. To watch <laughs> to watch Magic sit with an actual tenured NBA scout and like just the differences in how they view players. Although apparently it's on the record now that Magic wanted De'Aaron Fox instead of Lonzo and was talked out of it. So maybe like that's maybe what puts him ahead of Phil. Who talked him out of it? The the other uh, Palinka slash Lakers whoever else has a, has a voice. I don't know Jeannie Bus. Yeah, it was I, it was in one of those like tell all pieces that came out this week. Yeah, I think I, it was in the Bill Oram one. I mean, the Lonzo ball pick was. I didn't think it was good at the time, and like it just everyone just nobody like talked bad about it because everyone just assumed oh Lonzo to Lakers like right. oh that's that's a match like because he grew up there like so they have to draft him but like I don't they think, had D'Angelo Russell on the roster at the time. Granted, it just, if it had been me, I would have taken Josh Jackson, so that would have yeah, been even worse. So, but like. It was a bad pick. It's not like they've been like hitting on all these picks and they just haven't worked out. Like it, right. you could still look back on it and say like, well, there were three yeah. or four guys that went within four picks of them that were all bad. right. It'd be, yeah, it'd be great if Magic was on the roster as like really wanting Josh Jackson, and, <laughs> and then he got talked out of it to take Paul. <laughs> Do you think Magic knows who Josh Jackson is? I think he does because Josh Jackson's from Michigan and was supposed okay. to go to Michigan State, okay. um, and then he didn't. So he probably knew of him from high school. Okay, actually, we should look back. There's probably tweets to him. <laughs> Well, um, that's the best thing about this is that Magic's Twitter account can now just return to return to normal. Well, I'll finally be getting Dodger scores again. Right. Yeah, uh, I used to never. It was just impossible <laughs> to find how the Dodgers were doing. Recaps of Dodger wins. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, I mean it was like having a real life Pert Happily yeah. on Twitter, and it, it, but if Pert Happily only tweeted about basic sports knowledge, so yeah, I mean it'll be good to have him back. I I don't think he's tweeted yet, has he? Like his first tweet back better be good. Like people are gonna go nuts, whatever it is. Like I hope he just picks up where he left off. Yeah. Oh, actually, no. He tweeted about a WNBA player last night, but that that still would be within his realm because the Lakers own the Sparks, so he hasn't really returned. Okay, let's uh let's go series by series. Talk about the playoffs. Um, real quickly, I I did a final check on our over unders. Not good. Uh, you finished 14 and 16. I finished Oof. 13 and 17. Oof. I feel like when we reviewed these a month ago, we were on course to do a lot better. There were some bad ones. Uh, me taking the over on the Suns and the Bulls in particular. Uh, but I think the, I think the um, moral of the story is that you're going to finish, you're going to do better if you just take the under on all the teams that could feasibly start tanking because they just tank so hard. Like over the final month or so, you, I mean, the only team that would have really burned you would have been the Hawks and the Kings. But if you went just under on all of like the 10 worst teams, you probably hit on the other eight. Right. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back next year. I, I feel like I can top 13 correct guesses. Um, looking back, I don't know what I was thinking on a lot of these. <laughs> I need to go back and re-listen to the audio. Um, but which which series do you want to start with to, to break down? Um. Let's just start with uh, the worst one, Bucks Pistons. All right, uh, Bucks Pistons is the third game on Sunday, six o'clock start. Do you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. How's that going to work? I don't. I don't do that. Well, I'm not. I hadn't planned on watching much of this series at all. So, oh, so um, nothing changes. Yeah, no, okay. I'm just going to watch Game of Thrones. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> that's that's exactly what Shannon said too. Even though his team is in this. Um, not, I mean, like you said, this one to me is the most boring. Um, even though in Wisconsin, you know, there's a lot of excitement about this Bucks team. They are really fun to watch. Uh, but to me, like, there is not a team that's less fun to watch in this playoffs than the Pistons. That's accurate. Uh, so you just have a team that's way better than the most boring team. So like, it just it couldn't be a, a less entertaining series to me because it's just like it'll be weird 
if there's a game where the Bucks don't win by double digits, yeah. and if that happens, they probably played really ugly right. in the first place. So I just I'm, yeah. I'm waiting for the second round. And, and right. I, I'm just not inspired by this Detroit team. I know a few years ago, and this was pre-Blake, they I thought they gave the Cavs actually a pretty good run, and I, I think it was 2016 or 2017. Uh, one of the years where they just like swept through the East and, you know, they, they kind of mucked it up and, and at least kept it close, but I really don't see that happening. I mean, Blake sat out the game that they needed to win to get into the playoffs last night. To me, that says that his knee is nowhere near a hundred percent. And, you know, having Thursday, Friday, Saturday off helps, I guess, getting that extra day. But even if he plays, you know, I just can't imagine he's going to be a hundred percent or able to play in, you know, four games and seven nights. I was really surprised that you, you wrote here in the notes that five games is the best odds. Yeah, like, I went through, and this me, is this is coming from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, I don't know how four games. Like I, I don't. That's know. what I thought. Like I'm so. I would be. What would have to happen for the Bucks not to win all four of these games? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, would, like, well, I mean, Giannis gets hurt. Like I don't. Right. I don't know That's how else they don't sweep like the Pistons right. in this. No, I. The Bucks aren't a team to me that. You know, like Denver, for example, which we'll talk about in a little bit, like they have like dramatic home road splits mm-hmm. where you could see no matter what, you're like, well, maybe they'll just they just won't show up for a game. Like the Bucks have not no showed a game really at all this year when they've been healthy. And and even even games like the other night against OKC when Giannis is out, Bledsoe's out, Brogdon, Miritich, um, you know, they still at least put up a fight. And I'm not saying Pat Connaughton is gonna give you thirty five good minutes in a playoff game, but they're they're deep. Um, you know, even if Giannis were to get in foul trouble, I wouldn't worry a ton about that um i just i don't know there's just not anything to get excited about i guess you have thon maker return storylines uh he probably is going to end up guarding Giannis a bunch i I looked on nba.com stats had uh blake as the by far the primary defender on Giannis during the regular season bucks swept the pistons in the regular season three of those four were huge blowouts the other one was it was a game where stanley johnson had like literally his best game ever the pistons hit 16 threes um but Blake actually did okay on Giannis drew drew three offensive fouls in four games forced eight turnovers on 135 possessions which by Giannis standards is you know pretty decent with him out you know or limited I I mean Thon obviously has no chance on Giannis and then you're looking at John Luer as the the next option like Detroit is just I I don't know I don't see I'm with you I don't see how this goes more than four games yeah so let's just move on that's please please um (laughs) oh well well, to a much better series toronto and orlando uh this is i think there's going to be three sweeps in the first round this is another one uh you know the magic are at least more interesting to watch than the pistons but this better uniform this isn't going to be competitive at all this one too though uh again our friends at the FanDuel sportsbook um the favorite is five games and it's by actually a pretty significant margin it's plus 168 to finish in five games and plus 300 to finish in six games plus 330 to finish in four games so there's a better chance according to FanDuel that it finishes in six than four I completely disagree with that I I feel like there's money to be made on betting some of these sweeps yeah I mean it's the same conversation that we just had about Milwaukee you could basically have about Toronto right there's just they're consistent they're not a team that loafs it on the road you know you're not you're like think about the amount of games this year where the Raptors either sat one of Kawhi or Lowry and that's not gonna happen in any of these games I mean probably without looking (laughs) I would probably about around half yeah not more so you you've been the Raptors more than any of the teams in the Eastern Conference have just been 
going through this regular season specifically with the playoffs in mind like they that's all they've really cared about so now that there's no restrictions on Kawhi, i i mean it i just think it's gonna be a bloodbath yeah i think they're a team that kind of continued to ascend over the last month and like you said we've never really seen them over the course of more than four or five games at a time with Kawhi, and obviously when you're playing the same team i think you get a better sample of that um yeah i think that's crazy to five games maybe you know whatever maybe I mean, marcus weird... all is about as good of an option to put on right vucevic as you could ask so orlando just has no depth either i no. mean their backup point guard is michael carter williams i think that's all you really need to say right. Philadelphia, Brooklyn. We'll, we'll just we'll knock out the East first before we move to yeah. the West. Um, this one, it, to me, all comes down to Embiid. I think Philly wins no matter what. Um, if Embiid is fully healthy, four or five. If Embiid is limited or misses a game or two, that opens things up a little bit. But like Brooklyn, to me, like you know, I like Jared Allen as a young player, but they have no answers whatsoever on either end, really, for Embiid. Yeah, I think this is going to be five games to Philly where. I think the the Nets are just good enough and Philly is susceptible enough to for the for the Nets to probably steal one of these right. just with a, a hot shooting night. But yeah, it's it's not gonna be overly competitive. Yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if it's not two O going back to Brooklyn. Right. Yeah, they maybe Brooklyn wins three or four, but yeah, I fun Nets team, but uh I, I don't think Philly is as good of a mess. A lot of people seem to think this is like, you know, one of the more intriguing series to me which may be like relative to the rest of what I think it people is, are I just, just don't I think people are trying too hard yeah. to like come up with ways to paint these as interesting series like yeah there's nothing wrong with just saying this Eastern Conference playoffs right. is, is a joke in round one would Brooklyn Boston be intriguing to you at all no that was another one where people thought like that I, I feel like if that was a matchup that would be a very trendy upset pick I, I'm just not that high in Brooklyn no I, I mean I don't get why people like they're there's one thing to just be like, oh, this Brooklyn team—they're kind of on the rise. They're pretty fun. They're better than you think they are. Right. And it's another to to, to say, yeah, this is this team's going to beat this Celtics team that yeah. almost got to the NBA Finals last year. All right. Speaking of the Celtics, uh, they're the four. Indiana's the five. We've they've this matchup has kind of been you know on a collision course for basically the last two months. Indiana has been pretty horrific over the last month. At one point, they lost ten straight road games. Obviously, they'll be starting the series in Boston. Al Horford's been a little bit banged up. Marcus Smart, you know, probably the biggest storyline heading into this is he's for sure out round one, and it sounds like, you know, almost for sure round two and maybe even longer after that, judging by by the way that Brad Stevens talked about that this morning. Um, obviously, a pretty big loss. I think that's, to me, a much bigger loss when they play the Bucks in round two than it would be against Indiana. Um, and even though Indiana's been able to hang on, you know, without Oladipo, I, I think this is probably Boston in five. Yeah. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe the Pacers could get one at home. But I think a sweep is on, is on the table, too. Yeah. Uh, the, the smart injury just really sucks. Like, I, I'm i going to be pulling for the Bucks, So it's, you know, it's good for the Bucks that they're going to be without him. But I just think it, it really reduces the Celtics' ceiling yep. to, to really make a run and, and kind of keep uh each round of these this eastern conference playoffs competitive it's just it's a tough break for them i mean he's their heart and soul he's like the most frustrating guy to play against yes on that team and especially in the postseason atmosphere so that's that's a big bummer so we're in agreement all four top seeds advance pretty easily Mm -hmm. yeah i'd be surprised if anything goes to seven all right we'll start at the top in the west golden state the one the los angeles clippers are the eight 
I asked Shannon, Shannon McCune, who does the Friday podcast, I just a couple hours ago, I asked him, if you took away Kevin Durant from the Warriors, would they still be the favorite to you in the West? He just disappears. He doesn't go anywhere else. Um, I think so. Yeah. I And it's it's probably got more to do with – like I would not have said yes last year. Okay. I just don't think whoever you want to say the second best team in the West is, yeah. I don't think that team is good enough. Like mm-hmm. it's more to do with the second best team, right? Slash third best team than it is to do with anything with the Warriors without yeah. KD. I agree. I I don't think Houston is. I like, don't think they would be the favorites in the NBA Finals without KD. For what it's worth, like I think the Bucks and the Raptors are better than the second best team in the West. I think it. I think it'd still be really close, but yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't be up in arms if the Bucks were a slight favorite and they got there. Um, but again, I mean, this just speaks to how crazy talented this team is. I I think Houston's slightly worse than last year, but not not all that much worse. Um, do you have, do you have something to say about the Warriors? No, no, <laughs> um, no. Just checking my Slack. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, if you really want to make storylines about the series. Patrick Beverly has at least a <laughs> reputation that he can give give guards trouble. I'm not going to buy into that. The Warriors starting five has been the best defensive five in the league since the All-Star break, even though Cousins has had, you know, some issues here and there. You agree that this is a sweep? Oh, yeah. yeah okay. No question. I you know, I the Warriors the last 2 years um have dropped either game 3 or 4 in the first round. Um one one year I think was against the Spurs and I don't even remember who the other was. So like there there is a history here of them kind of you know, taking their foot off the pedal in game three or four. But even if that happens, I mean, this is a Clippers team that really didn't even care if it made the playoffs like three months ago when they traded Tobias Harris. Like they were just completely indifferent as to what happened after that. Um, and obviously they, they deserve a lot of credit for getting here. But I, even as an eight seed, like they're just, to me, they're, they're, they're even weaker than a lot of these first round opponents that Golden State's had during this run. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, the, like last year's Pelicans team was just, so much more dangerous right they took they took a game off them right um if so if and when the warriors win another title and if kd gets a third straight finals mvp is is this the summer you know where we you know around mid-july we finally say you know he's taking the the proverbial best player in the world title away from lebron uh well i mean is does lebron even have that title yes he does okay that's that's been decided by me okay (laughs) <laughs> but I think it's his grip on it is looser than ever, due in part to what happened with him this season and just other players, you know, whether it's Durant or Harden or Giannis or even Curry, you know, kind of continuing to ascend. Yeah, so I I think that it's tough for me to I mean, Katie might be the best player in the world. It's just such a weird conversation to have when he probably isn't even gonna make first team all NBA. <laughs> like I I mean I think I think Giannis is going to, you know, short of them really kind of flaming out, I think Giannis has a chance to take that title. I just don't really see KD doing it because I don't know what would have to happen. Like, he's not going to have that matchup with LeBron where he can, Mm -hmm. like, be better than LeBron in a finals matchup. Like, maybe if they play the Bucs and he just completely destroys Giannis or something, then then he takes that title. But I kind of think either – Giannis takes it or we kind of go into the offseason with not really a, a clear guy 
Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I do think even though the Cavs got swept out of the finals last year, it's it was still LeBron just because of how he played. You know, he had that ridiculous run up to the finals with, you know, huge games, buzzer beaters, you know, the 50-point game one. Like, even though they lost again in the finals, it didn't feel like it was on him. I think, if anything, JR kind of took most of the heat. Um, but this year, I, I don't think that's the story whatsoever. I mean, I think Le- the heat is on LeBron more than it's ever been probably since 2011. Um but I also don't know that Durant on this roster is even capable. Like there's always going to be people I, not, I, I myself would never do this. who will <laughs> say, you know, when you're playing with Curry and cousins and clay and Durant or, and uh, Draymond, you know, you just, you know, kind of like the same reason that he hasn't won MVP since he's gone there, even though he's partially deserved it. Um, there's just kind of this built in difference, you know, when you play with that roster. So we'll see. All right, the 2-7 in the West, uh, 2C Denver, 7C San Antonio. Denver got a win last night. Not exactly the most encouraging win um, against like the C-Squad for Minnesota, um, a game that looked like actually Denver was going to lose up until the last couple of minutes, but they end up winning that, uh, and everything kind of came together for them in terms of how they wanted to finish the season um, You know, with the Western Conference bracket shaking out. So they find themselves in the two spot despite a pretty uninspiring run since the all-star break uh and what that means now if you look at the bracket one of denver san antonio portland or oklahoma city is going to be playing uh to go to the nba finals yeah and denver did their part to kind of maneuver this side of the bracket and it it really couldn't have worked out any better for them i think that they would have been i mean i so just from your point of view who on the other side of the bracket i mean i think you would pick denver to beat the clippers would mm-hmm. you pick the other three teams to all beat denver utah houston and golden state right now i might you know if you asked me this a month and a half ago no you know i, I th- denver was kind of a team that i compared to the bucks for a lot of the season you know where they you know denver got off at this hot start they were at times you know building a, a fairly comfortable lead uh, over golden state and unlike milwaukee you know everything just kind of fell apart for Denver and it's you know it hasn't been a disaster they're still the two seed um they're still in a pretty good spot here like we just said but I don't I don't feel as strongly about them right now as I did you know not that long ago we were talking about Jokic as maybe the guy who might sneak his way into the MVP race you know that's kind of over Will Barton's taking a step back Gary Harris has been you know he's been hurt but he hasn't really progressed Jamal Murray's been up and down like they just you know, while the Bucks have basically gone wire to wire, game one to game 82 being the best team in the league in almost every facet with very few blips, uh, it seems like Denver maybe peaked a little too early. And they, to me, you know, are, are the, the one team that you maybe look at in the West as, yeah, they're the nominal two seed. Yes, their record says they're the second best team in the West. But, you know, as you just alluded to, you know, I, I would take Houston over them. Um, you know, OKC could certainly beat them in a series on the on the right day. I don't know if that's a guarantee. I think a lot of people would pick Utah over them. And, and even, you know, San Antonio, who they're facing in round one. I, I don't think this is a cakewalk whatsoever. And I, I have a feeling that you're going to pick San Antonio to win the series. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to set you up. <laughs> well, so I, I think that this is just a worst case matchup for the Spurs. I mean, worse would be if they matched up with the Warriors, but... Yeah. Uh, I I really think this Spurs team could give a team like the Thunder trouble. They would give a team like the Blazers trouble. Uh, I could see them even giving uh, the those four or five the Rockets Jazz. Like I think that they could give them trouble. I think the the Nuggets are just a their their offense is just such a 
well-oiled machine. It's kind of like a better version of what the Spurs kind of do to me. And it's not the type of thing where there's this uh, really inefficient player that they can kind of uh, take advantage of by, you know, giving them a lot of looks. Like, I Mm -hmm. I just think it's going to be, I don't know what your game plan in this. They don't have like a big guy that can get really physical with Jokic, which I think is like the recipe to give Uh, him trouble. Ever heard of them? (laughs) Um, I just like if you're going into the series and you're the Spurs, I don't even know what what's your game plan. Like yeah. you're you're not a better offensive team. You're probably not even a better defensive team. Like there's not definitely not a better defensive team. I mean, San Antonio has had like runs where they've looked mm-hmm. like the old Spurs defense. Um, but I mean, Denver's a top ten defense. That's kind of where the difference like, has come. They're six in offense this year. They were six last year. I, I honestly think I'd pick the Spurs to beat either the Thunder or the Blazers, and. Is that just like a strategy that like you just give Pop such an edge? Well, the Portland, it's partly because of the Nurkic injury, but um, right. You know, I don't, I don't think they have necessarily more talent than the Spurs without without Nurkic. And then uh, with OKC, I think it would just be a gigantic strategy advantage to the Spurs. So uh, it's just it's not a good matchup for them. I, I think it probably goes like six. Uh, I don't think I, – I see that seven games has the best odds. Yeah. I can't see the Spurs team winning three games in this series. It just doesn't have the offensive firepower, I don't I don't think. so. Yeah. And I think they – I think Denver kind of matchups pretty well. Um, the guys that they can throw at the Spurs' best players I think is, mm-hmm. is a pretty good setup. So um, I think it goes like five or six in Denver's favor. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I still think San Antonio has the edge – in terms of strategy but i mean denver's roster is just so much more superior they don't really have a big like i know lamarcus aldridge can stretch you know almost out to three-point range but he's not really someone you're worried about pulling Jokic too far out i, I think Jokic for the most part can stay with him and then on the other end i mean you, you can you can put aldridge on Jokic, but you know they're gonna have plumley they're gonna have Millsap. like san antonio just doesn't really have the manpower to pull this upset i think i do just want to um I've been getting kind of fired up hearing people with votes talk about their coach of the year ballots, and I don't, I shouldn't, like, I don't care at all about six man, but for some reason I care a lot about coach of the year. Like, the idea that Mike Malone should be top three coach of the year candidate to me is just ludicrous because they vastly outperformed their point differential. Like, that they shouldn't have won as many games as they did win. And, the, you know, I could, there's like half a dozen guys that I would have listed over Mike Malone, and yet I keep hearing him as like the second or third guy on a lot of people's ballots. So I, I don't, I think he's like an average NBA coach, and that's that's fine. But it's I don't think he's close to coach of the year material personally. There, I'm off my soapbox. Go off, <laughs> what, a, what a rant. Uh, yeah, I mean he's gonna finish in the top five probably, right, for coach of the year. Um, it was a lot more justifiable, like I said before. It was more justifiable in January than it is now. I think like sure. they had to they had to win the West in the regular season. I think for him to be in my mind a legitimate candidate, mm-hmm. that's not a bad roster. Um, so your what is your official pick then? Denver in six. Yep. Okay. I, I think I'm with you there. I think Denver wins, but we don't we don't come away from this series thinking any higher of Denver. You know, I think it's like a an uninspiring six game win. I could see like the Spurs stealing game one and oh, everyone sure. being like kind of like whoa like upset alert and right. Then, you know. But I, I mean. I don't. That's the thing is, if they if that happens, I don't know that I trust Denver to rally to, to, rally, and, to rally and win like the next four. You know, I don't. I don't think that the. I mean, the talent discrepancy is that big, but I don't think the overall ceilings 
of these teams or even like kind of the baseline where they usually end up is like that different where if Denver goes down 0-1, you know, they're not going to win it in five or, you know, I, I think that would be a really scary thought if you're the, if you're the Nuggets, like, you know, losing game two is a little bit different, you know, cause you have a little more wiggle room, but losing game one and then have, you know, really feeling like you have to win game two because you're such a bad road team and San Antonio soak it at home. Uh, that to me is probably if San Antonio is going to win it, they, they have to win game one. Is there any way Jokic doesn't go off in this series? I mean, the only thing that's really stopped him in matchups like this is just like those weird indifferent games, you know, where he'll just take eight shots in 38 minutes. And I don't really see that happening. Yeah, I guess I, I wouldn't measure his effectiveness necessarily in points scored. I just think he's going to pretty much be able to do whatever yeah. he wants all series long. Yeah, I think you know the Spurs kind of get the benefit of the doubt on defense and that you know, Derek White's been good. Um, mm-hmm. But really, other than that, they don't have a ton of plus defenders on this team at all. And it goes back to what we've been saying all year, which is if DeJounte Murray was running the show or just in the rotation even for mm-hmm. this first team, I think it kind of changes everything. All right, the three-seed Portland, six-seed OKC. I think almost by default, this is, to me, the most intriguing series of the first round. Uh, there's probably a case to be made for the last one. We'll talk about Houston and Utah um even without Nurkic there's a lot of star power in the series you have the two guards in Portland you have Russ and, and PG Jake obviously Lehman. Jake Lehman uh who re- didn't go off to the degree that I thought he would last night Anthony <laughs> Simons who <laughs> damn near went for a 40 10 and 10 <laughs> in 48 minutes last night um I mean a couple things to watch Paul George didn't play yesterday against the Bucks his shoulder's really been an issue for you know seems like over a month now Steven Adams left that game. I, I haven't seen the video. I was just actually tuned in to Magic Hornets instead of Bucks mm. Thunder last night. But I saw tweets that said like he, he kind of landed weirdly on his arm and his arm was like convulsing. Hmm. Uh, and of course, he stayed in the game, shot the free throws uh, after a hard foul and then, and then briefly exited. So something to keep an eye on there. OKC's a little bit banged up. Um, would you be picking Portland if, if Nurkic was healthy? I Is would. that safe to say? Yeah, I would. So without Nurkic... I think it's, I think it's just a toss up, really, without yep. Nurkic. I, you know, I think some people would in a toss up would go with the home team. I'm gonna go with the team that I think is a bit more proven in the playoffs, which is the Thunder. But I, I don't feel good about it at all. Like DJ, who is um, a coworker and is a Thunder fan, the only Thunder fan I know uh wanted to bet me on this series and i just don't i don't feel good enough about it to to take the blazers although i i like i said i think it's a a toss-up i think Mm -hmm. dame lillard could very easily be the best player in this series i think that would probably be the odds on favorite right now just given paul george's Mm -hmm. health so they i think portland has the best player but russ is a tough matchup for Lillard I think on both sides of the ball so it's just you know I think that that advantage might get mitigated a little bit by that matchup so I just I don't really trust a lot of the guys behind Dame and I think that at the very least we can probably count on the Thunder to play really good defense I agree with all that um I mean, you said the Thunder, you know, have a little bit more playoff success, which which is true uh, when Kevin Durant was on the roster. That's the only thing I would push back on. Like both of these teams are coming off of horrific playoff showings last year where OKC won game one convincingly uh, at home against Utah and then lost three of the next four. And Russ just completely, you know, kind of lost it at the end of that series. Um, The Paul George injury to me is big, too, because like like Dame Lillard, I, I agree with you, is the best player in the series. But if Paul George was at 100 percent, 
playing like he was for most of this year, he's the best player in the series. Maybe it's just as simple as just saying Portland's got the best player, they have the better coach, and they have home court. So why are why why aren't we just taking the Blazers? Like I yeah, maybe it's that simple. I I just don't. I look at the rest of that roster behind Lillard, and it just doesn't seem like a team that like. I mean, McCollum is. I think McCollum's kind of overrated to to a certain extent and he's been banged up and I don't know I I think Lillard would just have to really just carry them like yeah. I think he would have to average like 40 points a game which I think is possible but uh short of that I just mm. I don't know I think they're a little out man yeah I mean I I almost think that the Nurkic injury has been overstated you know people like when he first went down it was like well there goes Portland season and I mean, Nurkic is really good. He was having a great year, but they like if there was any team out there that could somewhat weather a storm like this, it's Portland, which has you know Enos Cantor and um, Zach Collins. Like they have other capable centers. They don't have anyone who's as good as Nurkic or was you know used the same way as Nurkic. But you know you're not you're not throwing out Timothy Mozgov or Kem Birch all of a sudden. I think probably where they miss him most is like in the pick and roll. Yes, uh, you know he's a really good screen setter and just this matchup specifically, right? That's... Like. Steven Adams is going to just push around yes. the rest of those centers. So. Right. No, Nurk did a great job defending Adams. I, mean, I think these teams met four times in the regular season. And, I mean, like you said, I think Lillard and Russ almost cancel each other out. Like, Lillard always plays well against Westbrook. Westbrook always plays well against Lillard. And, you know, even though Russ can get a little bit out of control, like, historically, Russ has, has come out on top, like, wins and losses against Lillard. But I, I, I just think... I'm a little bit with you at McCollum. I, I wouldn't say he's overrated, but I'm worried that he's played like one and a half games going into right. the series and they need him big time. Um, you know, I, I started looking to, you know, the advanced defensive numbers a little bit earlier and like Aminu and Harkless did a good job bothering Paul George earlier this year. I mean, I think to me, that's just going to be the key is if Paul George is 85% healthy or better, OKC probably wins. If Paul George struggles and can't shoot like he has been, you know, in February and March, you know, then I, I think Portland probably wins it in six or seven. You're kind of talking me into Portland a little bit because I don't think I don't think Paul George is at is going to be at ninety percent health. OKC is under five hundred since the break, and they won their last five games, four of which were complete cupcakes. So, like without that, I mean, there's there's just not should a lot I, of evidence that they're playing well. Should I hit DJ up right now and say I'll take that bet? <laughs> I might Wait, what was the bet, bet again? I mean, twenty, fifty bucks, whatever, something like that. Just just on series winner. Yep. Okay. I might. I might. I still think it's take worth that. a shot. I. I mean, you've historically fared well in these bets. I'm gonna. I'm gonna really be rooting for the Blazers no matter what, just because I. I like Lillard so much, and. Uh, I mean, it would be. It'd, it'd probably be more fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the like Lillard Lane. and Layman show. Leonard. They, <laughs> yeah. I, for, I didn't even name Myers Leonard when I was going through their their center depth. That's how deep they are. It's like you just you forget how great their fourth center is. Uh, okay. Let's finish up Houston and Utah. Um, it, it almost seems like right away, you know, when the, when the schedule came out or when the, the standings were finalized last night, there wasn't a lot of talk about this series. It was Golden State Houston round two, you know, wow, we're getting this round two, not in the conference finals. Um, I, I mean, I don't think Houston's going to breeze through this by any means. I, I think the Rockets win, uh, FanDuel has seven games as the most likely scenario. I, I think Houston could probably do it in five or six, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if it goes a distance. What would what would surprise you more, five games or seven games? Uh, I think five. Yeah, me too. I mean, Utah's good. I'd, I I don't know. I, mean, I think I'd, it's going to go six or seven, personally. I, I, 
I don't want to count out the Jazz just because I think that they have a really high ceiling when and like especially if, if Ricky Rubio's making shots and mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell's making shots, like they I think they can win this series. Uh, but I mean it's it's a lot to bet against right. this Rockets team in round one. I think that they mm-hmm. are gonna have a feel like they have a lot to prove in this series. Uh they still have I mean I'd take their three over Utah's best three by, by a pretty wide margin. Yeah, I mean Rubio's banged up too. I think that's the bigger thing. Is like I, the feeling is that he's going to play, but I don't know where he'll be at. And I mean, he got hurt. I don't. I don't think they had him in the playoffs at all last year. Mitchell got hurt in the playoffs. Like, I do think Houston's ceiling is higher for sure. If if both teams are playing their best, if Houston you know comes out and just goes guns blazing, they're they're going to win this in five. But the way that they play, as we saw last year, you know they are vulnerable to lose to anyone on any night when you bomb that many threes. I think the Blazers Thunder matchup is the most likely upset on the board, but I think the Rockets jazz matchup is maybe the, has the highest ceiling as a first round series. Like I think it could be in terms like of a fun classic series. Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, I think that Portland thunder series is going to be kind of ugly at times. And uh, it's just the most evenly matched of the mm-hmm. two, but like th- we're talking about with the jazz and the Rockets, I would argue probably two of the top, I don't know, six teams in the league, seven teams in the league, something like that. Yeah, that, it depends that, how much you value those top four in the East. That makes it a pretty – well, I think these are two of the three best teams in the West. So even yeah. if you take the four in the East, I think sure. you're still talking about so you, two. You think Utah's better than Denver? Yeah, I do, right now. Just yeah, based on – Right this moment, yeah, probably. Yeah, and and I think they're more uh, equipped to win. I think they would – they're just a better playoff mm-hmm. team than Denver is going to be. But – uh yeah, I mean, this is – if I had to watch – like, if you told me I could only watch one series, I'd probably pick this one, even though I think the Blazers-Thunder one is more likely to have the underdog win. Okay, a couple more quick things, and we'll wrap up. So the title odds right now, unsurprisingly, Golden State, the heavy favorite, at minus 225, Milwaukee plus 650, Toronto plus 950, Houston plus 1,100, Boston and Philly both at plus 600, Denver at – or excuse me, 1,600 – Denver at plus 1,800, and OKC at plus 3,500. Uh, I'm of the belief that Golden State is going to walk to another title, so I'm staying away from any of this. But you know, just from a betting value perspective, do any of these title odds you know, intrigue you even a little bit? Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to walk to a title. Uh, I, I think I was the only person on staff that like two months ago or whatever said they, that I would take the field over the Warriors, mm-hmm. and I've kind of waxed and waned on that opinion. I think it's... To me, I think right this minute it's like 50-50 Warriors versus the field, which I, I know is much closer than you would have it. But I think the Raptors at plus 950 is really appealing. I think mm-hmm. that they are – I just – I think that I'm probably behind the Warriors. I'm probably most confident in that team firing on all cylinders all playoffs long. Like mm-hmm. I think that they're just built – I mean, they. I don't know if you could have a team built better to match up with the Warriors in the finals when you can have that that Lowry, Green, uh, Siakam, Kawhi, like defensive. I mean, those guys can switch probably yeah. across the board on the Warriors, and they have the ability to give them a little bit of trouble with those those bigger lineups too. So I think that, you know, if that was the finals, I think I would – have the Warriors win in like six games so if that's mm-hmm. 
how close I think the finals would be. I think plus 950 is pretty decent. And then uh, I see a little bit of value in the Bucks plus 650, and I think the Celtics plus 1600 is is interesting too. Those are the only three other than the Warriors mm-hmm. that I would consider just because I think the ceilings of those three teams are, are high enough that they, they could yeah. beat Golden State. But uh, I think the uh, the Raptors one's my favorite. I guess uh, what what would happen hypothetically? Let's say Curry goes down, Golden State loses in round two to Houston. All of a sudden, the West is wide open. I mean, Houston. I, would you agree that had Houston pulled the upset last year in in the Western Conference Finals, that they would have gone on to beat Cleveland? Uh, I really wish we could have seen that series. By the way, I. Oh, man, I think I they would have. I don't know. I mean, LeBron. LeBron would have gone nuts, but I don't. I don't still don't know if it would have been enough. Like that Houston team was really, really good. And that Cavs team was really bad. Uh, that LeBron's game one is still just kind of stuck in my head, and it's. I mean, you he had that game, but at like no point during that game where you're like, "Oh, this will be a series." You just really like, no. oh, This is a crazy game. It was like LeBron had literally the best individual finals game ever, and they still lost. I think. I think I would actually take. I would take the Cavs because I think it would have been such a emotional like letdown for or, I mean the Rockets I think it would have just been so spent like in every sense. Like, I also think it would have rejuvenated series. the Cavs too. Like I think they yeah. the Cavs went into that series. You you know LeBron I'm sure would never admit it, but they went in knowing what was going to happen. Right. And I think LeBron would have just been sniffing another yes. title and would have just done everything in his power like every you know 48 minutes of every right. game to to make it happen. Yep. So I I think I actually would have gone with the Cavs, but I think I mean, it shouldn't be lost on people just how close the Warriors came to losing last year before even getting to the finals. Mm-hmm. And then you have three teams in the East, or at least two teams in the East, that I think are better than any right. team in the East last year. So, Well, that's what I, that's going back to my original question is, let's say Golden State goes down, like then who is the favorite at that point? Does it, does it shift to Milwaukee? Do you still kind of lean Toronto a little bit? Or is it a team in the West? Like if Houston beats Golden State, do they become all of a sudden the team that could, you know, I was. I guess as someone who's watched the Bucks a lot this year, I would feel pretty good about the Bucks' chances to beat Houston. Yeah, but I don't feel good about the Bucks' chances to beat Golden State, which transitive property doesn't really add up. You know, I, I think if the Warriors got bounced, I think the Raptors would be my personal favorite, mm-hmm. just because I think they are the best position to come out of the East. I think if if the Malcolm Brogdon injury doesn't happen, I might go Bucks. I think that that's I really think he'll be back for round two, but we'll you see. Do? Okay. They at least unless they're just putting up this big smoke screen, like they've been really optimistic okay. publicly about that. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean it's a concerning injury to say the least. Um, okay, last thing, uh, and I, I haven't read your your responses yet. I kind of asked a similar question in our roundtable that'll that'll go up on the site shortly. Um, I just wanted to talk about like the players that have kind of reputational mm-hmm. stakes in these playoffs. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know that it's necessarily make or break for anyone, although Harden to some degree uh, is kind of getting there, you know, as we as we talked earlier, you know, with him, uh, you know, where he kind of stacks up historically, you know, still being in the middle of his prime, uh, but really not having any playoff success whatsoever. And I think if anything, you know, you kind of think the opposite when you think of Harden in the playoffs. Um, but I just listed Harden, Westbrook, Giannis, uh, Vucevic, D'Angelo Russell, Kyrie and Lillard were were the guys who came to mind who you could kind of frame the storyline of, you know, for someone like Vucevic and and um, D'Angelo Russell, you know, it's 
really solidifying yourself, mm-hmm. you know, as a star in the league. And obviously I don't expect Orlando to beat Toronto and I, I don't really expect the Nets to beat Philly, but you know, how those guys play, I think kind of shapes how we view them going into next season. Um, you know, and then I think there's opportunities for, for guys like Harden and Giannis to kind of grab that, or at least make a really compelling case for that best player in the world title um, that, you know, could be very much up for grabs this summer. So do, do you, Agree, disagree with any of those guys? Anyone else you'd add to that list? So I interpreted that question as a kind of in the first round. Sure. Uh, not the entire For the playoffs. round table, yeah. Um, I didn't really consider players on teams like the Nets or the Magic. Just I don't yeah. think team players on teams that bad don't usually leave a lasting impression right. no matter what they do. Uh, so I think I think James Harden is atop the list. Uh, the fact that that's not a slam dunk win for the Rockets means that they could lose, obviously. And if the Rockets got bounced in the first round, I think that that, that looks pretty bad. Uh, Russell Westbrook was my number two guy. I think with the Paul George injury, he's going to have – I think that Thunder pretty much ride or die with Westbrook in round one. And if mm-hmm. they – you know, if he shoots like 35% for the series and they lose, then – that's not a good look. And if he just carries his team on his back and they win that series, then, you know, all the Westbrook stands will be rejoicing. Uh, Dame Lillard, kind of the exact same thing. Like, he could carry his team to a round one win, and that would look great. Uh, if they lose, it's I'm sure he'll shoulder a decent amount of the blame. Well, especially after getting swept last year. Right. And then Nikola Jokic is, is my fourth one just because I think – I think he, he's still a little underrated in some circles, but there's also these like, question, widespread questions about how he'll fare in the in the postseason. So, yeah, if, well, he's never even played a playoff game, right? Before. And like, I think a lot, there's a lot of pessimism about how his game will translate right. into the postseason. So if he uh, just doesn't really like, I could see, you know, there's a scenario where he just isn't really impacting these games to the extent that we think he should, and then. Mm-hmm all of a sudden maybe the nuggets get pushed in that series or even lose that series and uh i think he's got a lot riding on this and and if he is just by far the best player in that series and i think that that would go a long way right. for him as well no Jokic is a good one I, I should have put him on on my list i think in terms of just pure reputation around the league like he probably has the most to gain or lose um like it felt like this year he jumped into you know if you're going to make a list of the 10 best players in the league nikola Jokic has to be on it if they get bounced in six games in round one as a two seed, I think he might back his way out of that list. Right. If he dominates and they make a run to the conference finals and you know he's borderline averaging a triple-double through the playoffs, all of a sudden he goes into next year in that conversation closer to the top five than he is the top 10 or 15. I think just from the scope of the entire playoffs and not just the first round, I think Giannis is probably at or near the top just because he could establish himself as the best player in the league or they could get bounced by Boston in the second round. I think that that's completely in play. And if they got bounced, I think a lot, a large part of why they would get bounced is because uh, the Celtics would just be forcing him to take threes. And, you know, he's been hitting mm-hmm. these threes down the stretch in games that don't really matter. But, you know, what if he starts the first two games, like one for 10 on three pointers? Like, does he. Yeah. Just stop taking them in game three. Like, I don't even know if know, it's about happens. like the makes versus the attempts. I think it's about the like aesthetics of it. You know, if they're if they're down ten in the third quarter and he and Al Horford is playing him twelve feet off and Giannis is still hesitating and mm-hmm. kind of you know plodding around you know with nobody there. Like I mean, we've seen it 
when they played when they played the Sixers last week, Embiid was kind of doing that, and obviously the stakes weren't as high, and you know it's whatever. But um, you could like Embiid missed his first couple threes, and after that, did not want to take one the rest of the game, and it impacted how they played offense. And I, I think to it like Giannis is kind of in the same category as Jokic in that way, where neither of them have had playoff success. You know, one of them hasn't been there, the other hasn't won a series. I do feel like Giannis is is like legacy for lack of a better term is already more cemented though. Like they're going to win round one. If they lose to Boston, I don't think people are going to all of a sudden turn on Giannis. I think it'll become a story. I think that I think he can leave these playoffs as the consensus best player in the world. And I think he can leave these playoffs with a consensus that he's not yet the best player in the world. Like if they get, if they get bounced early uh, like round two, or if they get bounced in like a non-competitive uh, Eastern Conference Finals, mm-hmm. then I just don't think anyone's going to be like Giannis. Yeah. Like they're not. Like it'll be it'll be Durant, Curry, LeBron, yeah. like maybe Harden. Like uh, people aren't going to bring up Giannis when they talk about the best player in the world in the offseason. Well, I think people will, but then there, there's this trump card hanging over him. Of, right. Okay. Well, that guy just lost in five in the East Finals mm-hmm. to Toronto and got his lunch eaten by Kawhi. Like, yeah, you know? Kawhi but, outplayed him in the yep. Eastern Conference Finals. So how could you say Giannis is better than Kawhi? All right, so us being in Wisconsin, what are what are your actual realistic expectations? And you and I, like, I guess I would identify as a Bucks fan. You and I aren't diehard Bucks fans. No. I think that's just kind of what happens when you work with the stuff every day. But I mean, I, is it going to be a disappointment if this team is not in the NBA Finals? No, I mean, I'm I'm not picking them to go. So I I, I think it would be a given the Marcus Smart injury. I think it would be a pretty big disappointment if they didn't get to the east finals yes totally agree i think there would be people who would who would argue and say they should make the finals based on how they played uh record wise all that would indicate it but i'm with you i i wouldn't be surprised if they made the finals but i wouldn't look at this season as a massive disappointment especially going forward like it's not it's not like Giannis is 32 years old and this is your last run you know i mean who knows what could happen but it doesn't really feel like this is a make or break year for milwaukee i think like a very just down the middle performance would be them getting to the east finals and losing a very competitive series yeah if they do more than that it's a huge success if they yep. do less than that it's it's a failure to some degree yes if they were to make the finals and, and get swept by golden state i don't think that's a failure oh no. <laughs> no they get to the finals that's that's a huge huge win Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 